0: Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 38 of Nerdology, and my guest today is none other than Mr. Sucky Cark. Hello, Sucky. Hello, Mark. It's been such a long time we spoke. I know. It seems like ages since we last spoke. Yeah, it's incredible.
1: (laughs) How time flies, it just seems like, what, last week?
0: Yeah. (laughs) If that, yeah. So you were a bit of a loose end, so we thought, oh, well, why not? We'll just, you know...
1: Well, yeah, this is it.
0: Have a bit of a laugh and have a chat. Well, I've
1: got nothing else to do apart from watch selling. and I thought I'll put the failures out oh, f- well. f- if anybody out there wants to do a podcast. And mm. and I've got one person come back to me, and that's the wonderful walk Yeah,
0: And then he cancelled, so you ended up having to... No, sort of I've just called you hey. wonderful. No. Oh, all right, all right. I'll, I'll take that. Good I'll lad. That. So we today are going to be talking about the biopic... Called Stan and Ollie.
1: Yes, fantastic. I'm looking
0: forward to mm-hmm. this. Okay. Now, before we actually make a start on the film itself, a um, little bit of background. We're we're of a similar age, similar vintage. You're younger than you. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've aged better. Uh, yes. Um,
1: I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue
0: with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am. I'm trying to be here. <laughs> Now, growing up at the age we were sort of, we're talking, what? Late 80s. Late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Um, Laura and Hardy were just all over the TV, the, weren't they? It just seemed like the, the, every day you come home from school and they'd be on the, on the, the TV. It's
1: like a were rotation, weren't they? There was them, Harold mm-hmm. Lloyd, uh sometimes there was Chaplin, Buster Keaton sometimes. But the, the, 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. BBC Two, they'd have a black and white yeah. silence or the Lauren Hardy one comedies, and they were mm. brilliant. You'd just come out when you see Lauren Stan and Ollie trying to push up a piano up a, up a flight of stairs, and and then oh, a the music f- box, That's great. and James Finlinson giving them that dirty evil eye that he had. <laughs> you just so much nostalgia just sitting in front of the mm. telly, and then in black and white. I had a black and white telly, so you didn't really care about, about the colour as well. No, nah. <laughs> it was just brilliant. I mean, uh, what, nah, did you used brilliant. to watch it all the while or? Just, just used to you know before something else started
0: because no i make a point of watching it because i love them so much are you just the humor i think it transcends time oh you know even now my boy's five and we watched quite a few of them together and he absolutely loves them he falls about laughing he loves it's
1: it. all visual humor so you're not you don't have to worry about any of the dialogue uh you know being of its time or anything it's all visual mm-hmm. slapstick humor
0: and or well, they were one of the few sort of acts that came through the silent period and went into the, when it went to the talkies yeah. because there were quite a few that went by the wayside. Um, but they really came into their own, didn't they, when it came into the talkies? Yeah, I
1: mean, but the, as, as I just said, their, their humour, they, they didn't rely on uh, gags that had to be spoken. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they carried on the tradition of the visual gag. And because of that, mm-hmm. people stuck with them. And that's why they were yeah. still popular all the way, well, all the way up to uh, whenever they came off the telly these days. But and mm. that's, that's why they've done this nostalgic film, which is uh, absolutely beautiful. Before, you know, before this film really spoke to me, it just brought back so many memories from me sitting as a mm. kid in front of the telly. Uh, and right yeah. at the end, uh, I was in tears, I was... Absolutely mm-hmm. in tears. And I only watched this last night on your recommendation. And I thought, I- uh-huh. I've got it. I've had it for a while. And I think I- I'll watch it when I get a chance. Mm. And then when we got started talking last night and I thought, okay, I'll get it again. And it just brought back so many memories from just sitting in front of the telly with my brothers and sisters, just watching
0: Lauren yeah. Hardy. My dad used to love them as well. It's just mm-hmm. nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a it's a really sort of gentle humor as well and i they never really all the fun was kind of poked back on themselves wasn't it it was just they were always the butt of the joke yeah each they? other um yeah and uh i don't know it's just something really timeless about them but yeah it's a it's a fantastic film uh i went to see it at the cinema when it came out i don't get to go to the cinema that often these days but um I really wanted to go and see it because I love Lauren Hardy and it just, having seen the trailer, it looked really impressive because yeah. um, those two were such personalities and, you know, it must be quite a daunting task to be the person they cast with taking on those roles. Well,
1: Balfour did really well in them roles. I mean, uh, John C. Reilly and Steve Coogan, they're just fantastic mm-hmm. in them. And you, you picked up the mannerisms, they, the, some of the dance moves. If you notice, they replicated mm-hmm. the dance moves perfectly. If they, there's a bit in Way yeah. Out West, where right at the beginning they're doing that dance move in front of the uh, the screen, mm-hmm. and then they go up yeah. the saloon, right? I noticed, and mm-hmm. I remember, uh, well, they noticed, uh, right at the end, the the, the show, the, the original clip of Stan and Ollie doing that,
0: mm-hmm. and there's
1: a, yes. there's a bit where Ollie goes up to each step as he walks up the step whereas Stan misses out a step but if you look in the remake yeah. uh, on when Coogan and uh, Riley mm. were doing it uh, Steve Coogan does exactly the same and I think they must have just yeah. looked at it and thought we'll just replicate it perfectly and it's just mm-hmm. again fantastic the way they did everything I mean uh, if you I never I was gonna watch this myself as it says, mm. many, uh, uh, I've had this film for a while and I thought, oh, I will watch this. I just did not have the time. I just want to thank you for making me watch this film because it was just.
0: Well, yeah, it sounded like a real hard It shit. wasn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I think it was about one o'clock this morning I was watching it. right. So I had to be oh, up wow. for a blood test this morning at 7, uh, eight o'clock. Right. So I've had not mm-hmm. had much kip. So I am might fall asleep halfway uh... through. But uh, if, oh, if we're wow. going to keep talking about how happy and nostalgic and fantastic this film was. Right, I don't think I'll be falling asleep. I'll just be thinking about this thing, thinking about the hospital scene, thinking about the two doors scene. Uh, mm. It's just brilliant, man. Brilliant.
0: I think it's uh, a really nice take on the story as well because it really focuses on what's really quite a sad time for them, really. Um, these, the film starts in 1937 where they're at the sort of height of their powers. They're making the film Way Out West, which is one of my favourites of theirs. Um, and then they get chatting about, you know, they really ought to be getting paid better by Hal Roach, the guy who ran the studios. And because obviously um, Stan Laurel was a contemporary of Charlie Chaplin. They came over on the same boat together from England. Um, They were part of a travelling troupe. I think it's the Fred Carno travelling troupe. Sort of vaudeville acts. And uh, obviously Chaplin went on to become really one of the first global superstars. And uh, he went on to form United Artists with Mary Pickford and I can't remember who the other person was Uh, now. Um, Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn, that's it. Um, So they owned their work. So they were going into the stratosphere in terms of earnings. Yeah, well,
1: that's what Stan was looking at. I mean, Mm -hmm. he'd been through a couple of divorces by then. And he's probably looking yeah. at the fact that it, all his money was going towards Alan money and and uh, he looked mm-hmm. at um, Ollie as well. Ollie was going through all the same sort of thing, but I think uh, mm-hmm. Ollie had this uh, gambling problem as well, where he was betting left, right, and centre on mm-hmm. on long shots. So all this money was yeah. just whatever money they were earning it was all going out the window, and you can mm-hmm. see why he wanted to um, get his own. Uh, you know, control of his own pictures and make the money mm. for his own pictures. It's just the studio system of the time, and mm. Ollie, well, not really having. Well, this is the way it's been portrayed in the film. Not really having much of a backbone to be able to back uh, Stan up, to be able to. Uh,
0: uh... Well, it was a tricky situation, wasn't it? Because they weren't, um, they didn't have a contract as a team. They were individually contracted, so Stan's contract was about to run out, and Ollie's was still. Going and he needed the money to to pay off his debts, so he was in a bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, poor Stan, he thought he was doing the right thing to try and get them a really good new deal, and uh, it all falls a bit flat on its face. And I think they, I don't think they ever really truly fell out altogether, but I think that was quite a a difficult time because um, Ollie goes on and makes a. I think there's only one or maybe two films that they made apart from each other when they'd formed that partnership. I think he did Xenophobia, uh, which was that elephant film.
1: And mm. then he did, I think there was another film with John Wayne. He appeared as John, one of John Wayne's in a, in a John Wayne film. Mm. But uh, I'm not sure yeah. if that was done when uh, Stan Laurel was ill at the time. So mm. Ollie might have just gone off and do, done a film with Stan's blessing there. But that other time mm. was when he was in contract with uh, Hal Rouch. Uh, but mm. yeah, it's one of them things, isn't it? You, if you're, you're stuck in a corner, you've got to fight for your own corner. Mm. And Ollie, uh, Stan yeah. was fighting for, he, for his corner and thinking Ollie had had his back. But that, I mean, they, mm. they they came back together. Hal Hal Rouch, I think, took him back on again. They carried on filming. Mm. But for years, I'd, he must have resented it. And um, that's uh, that's I how it's so. come out in the film. And uh, seventeen years later, it all comes out, you mm-hmm.
0: know. If you look at their their movies after that, because I think they eventually they did leave Hal Roach, and I think they signed with one of the bigger studios. And um, the the quality there's a real decline. You can see it because although they were perhaps getting a slightly better remuneration from the studio, they weren't. As uh, involved creatively, well, they didn't have the artistic so control, st- did they? No, and Stan was really he was the artistic half of the duo. He was the one who was into the writing. He was the one who effectively directed a lot of their movies, yeah. although it wasn't his name on it. Um, that that was the um, sort of received wisdom that he was he was the one really pulling the strings to to make the movies how he wanted them to be. Whereas Ollie, I think, was really like a sounding board for Stan Mm -hmm. for ideas. And also, you know, he was into the acting side of it and he wasn't really bothered about all the rest of it. So he was happy to be out on the golf course with his friends rather than, you know, plugging away, working all hours, trying to develop new stories. Do you think
1: Stan would resented that as well, do you think? Maybe, you know, maybe... I don't know. I mean, does it it does seem to say in the film that he resented that bit. Mm. I mean, he seemed to resent the fact that he went off and did another film but he didn't seem to resent. Yeah. I don't think he resented the fact that uh, it, no, was you back. I no think
0: they were two very different characters, weren't they? But um, but they just had this really brilliant working relationship and they had something on screen that is very, very rare. It's this, I don't know, it's a you can't bomb no. it, so this kind of magic, you know, as soon as they appear on screen, you know, those early films are so good. Oh, the, the... So yeah. funny. Uh,
1: I'm j- you just you just sit there and you just sort of reminisce about some of them. There's a, there's that one where they're, mm-hmm. they're in the um the he's trying to uh, hoodwink not hoodwink, uh, trying to uh, what's the word for uh, kidnapping people off the street to make them sailors.
0: Oh, a keyhole, Kiel yeah.
1: right? And the, there's that yeah. scene where they're running in and out of the bar, <laughs> right? And then right <laughs> at the end, he clocks Ollie one, and um, that was funny. There's also that the, yeah. there, there's some sketches. That they've done, um, mm. which was the, uh, which is always, uh, rem- I've always remembered, which is there's one mm. where uh, they, they give given one drink and they put it down in the uh, yeah. And Stan drinks yeah. the whole lot and he goes, Why did you drink it you know? all? <laughs> because well, my half was on the bottom. And it's just so funny. <laughs> so simple, a simple yeah. little gag like And, and it's just
0: brilliant. That's one of my son's favourites of their shorts because it ends with uh, they're at a boating lake, aren't yeah. they? And uh, they're trying to impress these two girls. They're dressed up as sailors and uh, they're trying to impress these two girls by saying that they're you know high up in the navy. And uh, it ends up in this massive punch up with all the other people on the boating lake. And it just by the end of it, every single person on the lake is in their boat and it just starts sinking. <laughs> and yeah, my son finds that hilarious. He loves it. Off um, says. So Karen. I was just going
1: to say, my brother uh, bought the twenty one disc boxer.
0: Yeah, I've got that right, one
1: too. and it's got some of like the colorized versions on there, and some of those. Yeah, right, and I I can't watch the, when I've borrowed it off him. I can't watch the colorized mm. versions; they're just out. No,
0: price. I think these days, when you look at what they've done with things like Doctor Who, um, because the technology has moved on so far. I think they could do a really good job of colorizing them now, but um, I think was it the '80s they yeah, did it, it's... and it just looks so fake and so—it's really garish. Yeah. It's just quite off-putting. awful. It is. Uh,
1: it. I looked at it and thinking that can't be the color. That uh, that is definitely not the color mm. for a skin. That is definitely not the color, <laughs> for, uh, the color for whatever couch he was wearing there. It just does
0: no, not look no, right. No, you're right. I don't. I think you know the black and white.
1: It's just I don't know. But even then, some of the stuff that else, some of the stuff that was also announced, you got little mm-hmm. black and white, uh, the black and white shorts. And you've also got uh, silent mm-hmm. film on there. This I think there's a, yeah. uh, some of the home footage is on there. There's quite a bit yeah. of stuff on there to be to be able to. If you're a real big, Lauren Hardy aficionado, that is the box mm-hmm. set to get the twenty disc box set with quite a lot of their stuff
0: on. they are great just
1: sit there and you just go that's brilliant that's brilliant that's brilliant that's funny that is so funny Uh,
0: (laughs) i think one of my favorites of theirs of the shorts because i think the shorts overall are probably a bit better than some of the feature films really um i think way out west and sons of the desert are two really standout feature films but the the shorts are the funniest for me i think have you seen one? There's one called Toad in a Hole. God,
1: tell me about that because I can't remember.
0: And they, they start off, they're driving down the street and they are selling fish right. out of the back of a, a van. Yeah. And uh, they decide that um, why don't they cut out the middleman and catch the fish themselves. Oh, the one with
1: the boy about. <laughs> boy,
2: oh boy. <laughs> For the first time in our lives, we were a success. A nice little fish business and making money. You know, Ollie, I, I've been thinking. What about? I I know how we could make a lot more money. How? Well, if, if we caught our own fish, we wouldn't have to pay for it. Then whoever we sold it to, it would be clear profit. Me that again? Well, if if you caught a fish, and whoever you sold it to, they wouldn't have to pay for it. Then the profits would, would go to the fish. If uh, if you if you caught, I know exactly what you mean. Your idea is to eliminate the middleman. Yes. I do remember
0: that one. And, uh, yeah, they decide to uh, fix the leaks in the boat by filling the boat with water. Um, And it all goes horribly (laughs) pear-shaped from there, but it's so funny. Just slapstick gold.
1: It it is. Really. uh, I'm just sitting here, just remembering some of the shorts. It's just brilliant. I mean, we should be discussing this film now.
0: We ought to. We ought to. So... They, we're now 16 years down the line from uh, when they made Way Out West and their fortunes really have plummeted a bit. Uh, I think a lot of people in the movie are quite surprised that they're still going. Not just in the movies. People I mean, assume they've... Uh, the the, the
1: oh, people yeah. in the uh, audience are still... From... You've got that Scottish mm-hmm. lady, the, you know, who's playing Lauren Hardy, uh, yeah. who's playing Lauren Hardy. They're yeah. playing themselves. No, no, no. Yeah. When they walk in, yeah, I'll have two seats front row, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so they agree to do a, a stage tour of the UK. And I think Stan has really got the idea that he can use this as a springboard to get a movie that he's trying to make off the ground um, with Mr. Mithin. Yes. Great name. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real name or whether it, they made that person Whoever he was but, uh,
1: doesn't appear in the film, though. All right. No, no. Which is yeah. quite
0: telling, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they do this... Tour of the, the theatres of the UK and it's really it's quite painful to watch, isn't it? Because yeah, they're coming on; they're obviously that bit older, and the audiences are really thin. You know, you just look at the when you see them come out onto the stage, and it's really you just feel bad for them. Yeah, and their manager, yeah, go on. He's so greasy, isn't he? That guy. um I'm trying to remember who. The the, roof
1: sa- the Is it Rufus Sound? Rufus Jones.
0: Rufus Jones.
1: Rufus Jones.
0: He's yeah. brilliant. He plays the agent, and he's so he's small. The, the way he, played <laughs> he, it, he really just, is. You,
1: you can tell he's a bit of a dodgy, right? And he's there. Yeah, he's got. He's got them all booked into these really, really low, uh, you know, really down on the hill uh, theaters and mm. clubs and stuff. Yeah. And all mm. all the while, he's trying to uh, normal wisdom is his main act. Uh, he's trying to pick up normal yeah. wisdom. I think. That is just the actor. Replied him, he's brilliant, and, and yeah. that, the, he was yeah, the way he was sort of manipulated, Stan, and, Laurie, uh, Stan mm-hmm. and Ollie to do public appearances as well. You've got to do this, and he because by the looks of it, he'd already booked some stuff up for them, but he had to uh, persuade him to do it, and then he sort of made yeah. him feel guilty, made him feel uh, this is the way it's got to be done. And the next thing you know, okay, well done that. I'll see you tomorrow. You're already booked into the mayor's shows, something <laughs> right. uh, brilliant the, the way he played Rufus Jones was uh, fantastic in this
0: and then of course you've got the wives who turn up they they come in partway through the tour yes. don't they yes
1: again great great performances by them pair. They, they just seem to be bitchy towards each other and they, they're just sniping at each other about their old uh, you know their previous jobs and stuff uh, but the, you can see that they both fully support their own husbands Support do, yeah. she, all his uh, all missus wants him to do is to give it up and just come back and live you know mm-hmm. a, a normal safe life, um, uh, not non-free hassle life basically uh, whereas mm-hmm. um uh Stan's wife now Stan's a bit of a work Ollie and all she wants him to do mm-hmm. is to get his picture deal get uh get uh committed on that and go forward with that sort of uh a goal in his life to know that what he's doing. and mm. um, Dempere pair, brilliant. And you can, and the way right at the towards the end uh, when they're doing yeah. this final performance, uh they, they they're supporting their husbands and at the same time they're mm-hmm. supporting themselves. And you can tell that yeah. by the way they they when a class stands right at the end and you think yeah. oh great performance by them pair. Well then Shirley Henderson and Nina Winot Wardia not Wardia Nina Ward there, so some uh, I don't think it's the Indian actress now. No. no.
0: no. <laughs> but yeah, they. I think the. Um, is it Rufus uh, Jones's character? They're at this really swanky do after one of their uh, performances, and they're meant to be meeting all these uh, lords and ladies and what yeah, have yeah. you. And um, there's a bit of a, a face off, <laughs> and the two women walk out, and he turns around and says, "Oh, you get two double acts for the price of yes. one." Cause, He's right. They're so yeah. good because they're uh, they're really feisty, aren't when, they?
1: When this film was being promoted, I I'd, I'd read some of the reviews and they did kept they mm-hmm. kept saying it's two double acts for the price of one. All right, and I did realize mm-hmm. that it was actual that was an actual line in the film, and so mm-hmm. yeah, people. I know Steve Coogan and John C. Riley were the main stars of this, but you could just as easily have had the two wives. Just done a picture around them pair as well.
0: Yeah, they were just as brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, the cast overall, you know, even for the smaller roles, was really good. It really helped to sort of take you into that. It feels like you're stepping into history and seeing it as it happened.
1: There were there wasn't that many smaller roles, was there? Really? I mean, there was the four, the two, two leads, the two wives, Rufus Jones, Mm -hmm. uh, Hal Roach, and that's about it.
0: Mm. There was... I like the little cameo for um, the guy playing James Finlayson when they're walking onto the set. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they,
1: they did have little cameos oh,
0: from really some of the act, some of the other actors. I mean, there was uh, the yeah. Harry Langdon one as well. I mean,
1: it didn't really have much oh, yeah, yeah. Art, uh, to say or anything. But uh, again, mm. it's just they tried to get it as authentic as they possibly could. I mean, I mean, for, uh, when I, I did some research after I watched the film last night, and the film. Mm uh the the film uh this was filmed right like uh, mm. just down the road from where I live in Dudley there's, oh, yeah, really? there's a black country living museum
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they cut uh I think last 2017 they mm. they went there and filmed a few of the scenes because it's all 1950s period uh yeah well even longer than that uh, at this place and you can you can turn up and you can walk around and you can see the shops as they were in the 50s you can see the shops of mm-hmm. how they were in the 20s and 30s as well and yeah. um, the, the scene where the school crossing guard which is on film, oh, yeah. that was filmed there there was uh, where they come to the hotel right at the beginning that big mm-hmm. uh, bootle, the bottle and gin or bottle and whatever it was, that inn, mm-hmm. that that was filmed yeah. there there was um. Yeah. There's one where they're in their pennies promoting their their tour uh, in a shop. Mm-hmm. That's all filmed there. So like this is they only did this just down the road from us, and uh, I could have mm-hmm. just popped round. I could have seen it all in action, but if I'd have known <laughs> about it, you know, these are the sort of things that you miss out. on.
0: You don't tend to think of it from when you're watching something of this nature, but as a as quite a a lot of uh, visual effects going on in this film as well. There'd have to be.
1: There'd have to be. Well, there ain't that many. I mean, I know the Black Country Living Museum, they've got mm-hmm. all this authentically laid out anyway so people can you know, have that sort of experience there. But mm. if
0: you're filming elsewhere... Well, there's, a... Mm. there's a really neat um, sort of split-screen effect they show on the... I've got the Blu-ray, and on the Blu-ray extras, they show you a comparison between the um location that they're filming on and then you kind of the line goes across the screen and it shows you what was superimposed and what was actually real it's really clever it looks so authentic it's very very good and obviously you've got the the prosthetics as well just going to mention that because yeah because john c riley um obviously in the later stuff that's set in the 50s he's wearing a hell of a lot of um prosthetic he's got this great big suit that he has to put on and um the facial stuff, and he had to wear contact lenses because he's got blue eyes, obviously. Well, uh, and I think, in a way, it probably helps them to to get into the park because they're once they've had their makeup done, I think it's like three hours or something it took them to put it on. Yeah. You're sat there looking in the mirror and you can see someone else looking back at you. It must really help you to sort of inhabit the yeah, role.
1: Yeah, easily. Like, I mean, uh, the this I know uh, Steve Coogan also had to have prosthetics mm-hmm. on. I mean, his chin was... Yeah. Sort of widened, and he had to have uh, mm-hmm. extra bits put on his ears. And John yeah. John, John C. Riley uh, ins- well, insisted that he put lead in the fat suit so he could have the proper yeah yeah proper weight uh, of the suit as he
0: walked. Uh, so mm. well, they said it made yeah it made his whole gait yeah. different as he was walking along. It's
1: just that the whole makeup process,
0: right, is mm. brilliant.
1: You just. They needed to inhabit the characters, and you couldn't have done it by mm-hmm. doing half heartedly. You had to go out mm-hmm. there, and the way they did it, and the way the care they took—you can't see the joints. You can't really. I was lucky. No, yeah, okay. when I was looking at the some of the behind-the-scenes stuff as well, when they uh, mm-hmm. and they got like close-ups on their faces, and you think mm-hmm. where where is that prosthetics starting? And where does it end? Where's the real skin? And you mm. can't tell. I mean, you look at John C. Royley's uh, uh, chin and his neck area. That properly mm. wobbled as well, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it's really it clever. Was... I mean, I don't know how they do it. It's They're... really oh. impressive. It's like a latex uh, think they drop on over, and I guess they must have other stuff in behind it. But it's really impressive. So realistic. Oh, brilliant. I, I, just got, I, I can't fault them on that. Did they win any awards for this or not? I'm not sure. But they
1: would. Were, they were, I got a they would have been nominated for this sort of thing. Surely, we'll have, uh, have to. I know. Uh, jo, I know. John oh. C. Riley won an award uh, for uh, his portrayal of Oliver Hardy, but uh, for oh, an okay. acting. But I, I don't know if they were ever nominated for anything else. Like they should have done. I mean, this is a beautifully realized piece. This was. And he just sat there. Yeah, it really was. I mean, there's also that bit right at the beginning. You got that uh, the scene where they're walking from where they're sitting on their their chairs all the way through to when mm-hmm. they start the the scene on way out west,
0: uh, but, yeah. and
1: that's like it's, it's supposed to be one long tracking shot, and mm-hmm. it's about four minutes, maybe even longer than that. Yeah,
0: but it's like it's like Laurel and Hardy do the West yes. Wing, isn't it?
1: And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, it was split into three bits: it's indoor, then outdoor, then indoor again. And that was mm-hmm. another. John S. Baird, John S. Baird, the director, brilliant acting, uh, brilliant directing by him mm. to get all that organized. And if you, uh, uh, on the extras as well, it said that one of them yeah. scenes had to be shot in one day because wow. they, had to be, they had to shoot the, one of them scenes in one day because I think, that was it, Star Wars. Star Wars uh, had right. had the whole of Pinewood Studios for that mm-hmm. those weeks, except for one Sunday. And so for that one right. Sunday, they had to get that scene sorted where they had the tracking shot had to be sorted in that one scene. And uh, they did it. They needed clear, bright skies to be able to film it. And mm-hmm. on the Saturday before, it was raining. On the Monday after, it was raining. But luckily, on the Sunday when they recorded, bright <laughs> skies. So they got that shot in to make it look like Los Angeles. Fantastically, Fantastically lucky.
0: They were, they were. And obviously, um, as the film plays out, they start to gain a bit of momentum with having do- done all these extra bits of uh, additional stuff they've been given by their manager to do with the promotion. Yeah. It really starts to take off. And by the time they make it down to London, um, they're actually packing out decent-sized theatres now instead of these tiny little places that they were going to in the north.
1: Well, promos- Have you seen them promotional bits that they had to do? The actual footage, mm-hmm. they've sort. Of, they have. Re- I've seen one or two. Yeah, they've yeah. Re- recreated some of them stuff because they've got they've got footage of it. your know, proper cinema footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, and they've recre- recreated it. the the beauty pageant one. That one's I know exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the little skit of the wires coming out of the car that exists. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's another one as well. I think the crossing guard one. I think all that exists as well. When they're uh, yeah. so, all these have been recreated using Coogan and Royly. So again, mm. authenticity. The, they've gone out to make sure it, it's bang on
0: perfect. Oh, you can tell that everyone involved was obviously a huge fan, and they wanted to really do it justice.
1: They, well, they've done it justice. I mean, look how impressed we both, mm. we both are in this. Mm. Uh, I mean, the 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 other bit where they've recreated everything is like uh, the two actors perform the sketches when they're on the shows. Mm you got like um, yeah. the two-door sketch where the valve coming oh, in uh, so funny. coming out of the doors and the hospital mm. routine where, where he's got his foot in the uh, uh, in a cast Oh
0: uh, uh, yeah, from County <laughs> Hospital That's another great one
2: Thank you You're welcome What have you got there? I brought you some hard-boiled eggs and some nuts Now, you know I can't eat hard-boiled eggs and nuts. If you wanted to bring me something, why didn't you bring me a box of candy? They cost too much. Well, what has that got to do with it? You didn't pay me for the last box I brought you. Have one? No, I'd rather not. Hard-boiled eggs and nuts. Mmm!
1: they got the way out west dance i think they performed that twice during the whole film mm-hmm. once at the beginning once right at the end and then you got the song Trailer of the lonesome fight yeah Apparently, uh, yeah, that's, that's them classic. pair singing that as well
0: oh, all yeah, right that's, that's not... or maybe not the high pitch bit at the well end, maybe but... not <laughs> i'm not sure
1: <laughs> no i'm just going to say the detail that they've given to make sure this film mm. and that people that would watch it, the Stan, Stan and Ollie fans, and Hardy fans out there, would be going, Yes, mm-hmm. that is the way they would have done it. Yeah. The way Stan, uh, Stan Steve Coogan, is rolling the egg on the table and then the way he keeps yeah. looking at Ollie, uh, mm-hmm. uh, John Riley in bed, and that's that's the way he, uh, Stan Lauderdale would have done it. Stan Lauderdale did do it, yeah. I should say. So you can see they've done their research on it, they've done. I'm so impressed with this film. I am so impressed with this film.
0: I think they said a few times in some of the interviews that I watched, they kind of saw it as it was like a love story between two guys who just happened to be Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. And it's this kind of look at their relationship over the years and, you know, obviously they're very close friends, but they had their ups and downs. But, you know, come the end... They were still friends. And it's very sad. You get these sort of titles that come up at the end and it tells you how they kind of follow on from there. And um, obviously Ollie's health didn't get any better and he passed away. Um, and then Stan, they were saying he spent the rest of his years continuing to write more material for Laurel and Hardy, but he never worked again, did he? No. After
1: that. I, I wonder why he carried on writing, knowing that he couldn't perform it.
0: I don't know, I think he must have had some enjoyment out of it and maybe it's a way of sort of keeping him fresh in his mind, maybe, I don't know, but dunno. You... I suppose you get into a routine, don't you? Because he was a very driven man, wasn't he? He was he spent all of his time perfecting his scripts and coming up with new ideas and writing. So I guess that was Well that's it. What drove him? Well, well, this him.
1: is what he seemed to be doing in his spare time all the while. You saw him just mm. sitting away tapping at his typewriter. And uh mm-hmm. whereas uh Ollie would have been down the, down the bookies or the rice <laughs> yeah. course or whatever in, in America like
0: so. This, I remember um, reading that um, when he went into retirement, Stan, when they moved back to California, um, he replied personally to every oh, single fan yes. letter that he got off his fans. Oh. That is amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine? Somebody like really high profile today doing that.
1: Oh, I can't imagine that. It's no, unheard I, I of, wouldn't I can't it. imagine
0: that at all. Can you imagine Tom
1: Baker? Tom Baker might do Yeah,
0: yeah. He's the only he's...
1: one I can think of. that It isn't enough. Yeah, bonkers enough <laughs> to do it. But I can't see anybody else doing it. But yeah, you
0: can... And that tells you all you need to know about him, doesn't it, really? But
1: in the, probably in them days.
0: Well, classic. Yeah,
1: I mean, in, the, in those days, would would there have be been much fan mail coming to him? Because their they're, they're high days sort of sort of fallen to the wayside by then.
0: Yeah, I suppose, but then we're talking, he we died in 65, so by that time I'd imagine a lot of their movies would have been on running on TV yes. by that point. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So you've got a whole new generation coming through who wouldn't have seen them at the cinema, but get to see them on the TV.
1: Yes, maybe, yeah. It might have might have it been quite a bit of fun, mail. must have had some severe mm. writer's cramp.
0: I forget the guy's name, but I remember reading an article at the time when the film came out at the cinema and it was in one of the broadsheets and it was a guy who had gone to see them at one of these uh, theatre shows when he was a very young lad. His mother had taken him there and they, I think if I remember rightly, they had seen Stan, I think it was Stan, uh, before they went through to the auditorium and he'd said um, ask your mum to send you round to our dressing room at the end of the show and he said but just ask her to stay behind and you, you can come and see us mm. which in these days might yeah, sound a bit yeah. dodgy but uh, so take on you trick yeah right uh, so he went round and um, they invited him into their dressing room after the show and um, they had Tea and cakes and all this kind of stuff, and they did like a little routine for him when he, as he walked in the door, um, they had um, the cakes laid out on a tray. So Stan puts them down on a seat, and then invertedly sits down on the <laughs> cakes, and uh, so they played out this little skit for him, and they chatted to him, and he was saying how much he loved their stuff, and he'd seen all their movies, and and uh, I think you know that again, it just shows what real pros they were.
1: Well, there's there's that bit in the film as well. No, because they're, they're such, they are, as you said, such pros. There's a bit in the film where mm. Stan, uh, Ollie's just put that bet on and lost. And he's lost his temper mm. around the paper. Oh, round. yeah. And then he looks around and mm. sees these young girls right, And, of course, he goes full into Oliver Hardy movie role, movie uh, persona. Mm. And then, of course, starts waving to the kids, and fiddling with his time, <laughs> and walks away. There had to be... I think in them days you had to perform all the while. And you couldn't really mm. be seen... Mm with your uh, your indoor persona, your, your at-home persona, mm. so you had to be showing your public yeah. persona at all times. They were always performing. I mean, Stan, you could mm-hmm. see Stan when he was sitting in the uh, in the agent's office, right?
0: Thinking, oh, yeah, that's a great yeah, scene.
1: Thinking that he could get the attention of the, this young girl beyond the uh, the counter, so she can go mm-hmm. off and see the agent. And is there performing with the hat? Uh, yeah. It, but of course, this this girl probably doesn't know who Stan Laurel is. It's called Stan Laurel, apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the actress looked familiar as well. I just don't know. Yeah, I think there's quite a few people I'd seen in this. I thought, oh, I've seen you somewhere before. Yeah,
1: I, I'll, I'll have to look her up later like, to find out who she was. But she, I'm sure I've just seen her in a drama or something uh, recently.
0: Mm. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a great movie. Um, even if you're not like a diehard... Hardy, yeah, Lauren Hardy fan. I think you could take a lot from it. I think it's a very enjoyable film, and it does give you a little insight into what their life was like, and uh might encourage a few people to look out their their movies because they're so good.
1: Oh, if if the BBC were repeating these shows on BBC Two at six o'clock like they used to do in our day, right, they'd be getting huge ratings.
0: Mm. <laughs> I think. Well, I think Maybe. that box set you mentioned earlier. I think you picked that up for not that much money now. It was incredibly expensive when it first came out, but I think I can pick it up for bit uh,
1: When it first came out, but uh, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't really looked for it. I don't really need to look for it. I'll just go around to his place to watch it.
0: (laughs) Not everyone lives in the Wolverhampton area, though. Well, you know, there's always an open invite
1: for you, Mark. Well, thank you. That's no worries. You know, bring you down bed though. Uh,
0: here we go. Now, how much is that? Oh, what? So you can get the 21 disc box yep. set from Amazon yep. obviously because they're not paying any tax uh, for 22.50. 50 bad. 22.50. That's barely a That's barely a quid uh. a disc. And it is solid gold. Every single disc has at least one really amazing movie on it. This <laughs> oh. I, I think you owe it to yourself to buy it, Sucky, frankly. I, Leave your poor brother alone and no, no, you know, no, no. give him a break. I don't have to buy it. I just I say, yeah, he lives down the road.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to buy it, £22. And just, when I can just walk down to his place, say, I'm borrowing this and walk off with it. <sighs> yeah, this is what family's there for. You take their things. <laughs> this is it. Oh, I'm not buying it. I've got other stuff that's... Pretty sure I've got a couple of other Laurel which weren't included in their films, in there. No. But I'd have to have a look for them. But uh, there's a lot, a lot of their material is on there. Some of their lighter stuff mm.
0: might not be on there. It's all the, it's all the best stuff, really. They, it's while well, they were still with Hal Roach, um, yeah. But yes, yeah. If you, if you enjoyed what you saw in the film, and you haven't seen that much of their stuff, it is you're not taking a punt on it. It is worth. 2250 of anyone's money, it's really, really That's good.
1: That's brand new, that is as well. So, if if you're looking, to, what's his name? CEX, I wonder how much is just need.
0: Oh, uh, right yeah. probably going for a 10 or something like that. <laughs> but you'd have, you'd
1: have to get to the <laughs> other side of the country to pick it up, though.
0: You will not get me to part with mine, I'm hanging on to mine.
1: No, 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 I'm sure KK's out. my <laughs> brother's hanging on to his as well.
0: So, we're going to go for a commercial cool. break, and when we come back. We are gonna look at some recommendations for our listeners. I'm
2: more alive than ever before. I'm to get Commodore 64. My friends are knocking down my door to get into the Commodore 64. It's mind boggling. Commodore 64 lets you play hundreds more games than any video machine, plus, draw, program, even do music. I'm more alive than ever before.
0: And welcome back. So we've come to that point in the show where we're going to look at recommendations of stuff that might interest our listeners. So I'm going to start with Sucky this time. What have you got for us this time?
1: Right. Uh, I'm currently currently watching The Man in the High Castle.
0: Now, if you oh, right. have you heard of this, Mark, at all? I have watched the first series, <clears throat> um, uh, but I haven't got around to watching the others. Okay. So, so I'm a bit behind. So the
1: first series sets up the whole premise that the nazis mm-hmm. and japan won the world war ii and because because they won world war ii america was conquered europe mm-hmm. was most of europe was conquered basically the whole war
0: so hang on a minute america is being run by uh, white supremacist nazis <clears throat> oh flipping heck and we're gonna be political already <laughs> anyway moving, moving on, on. Carry on, carry on
1: right uh, so that the whole country is now one off the uh, America is run by the Nazis, one half is run by Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sort of a in-between area uh, where mm-hmm. the outlaws and people that have run away from both fac- sides of the country sort of live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's it's a really good dystopia where the the people are trying to live under Nazi regime, uh, a Japanese mm-hmm. rule is brilliantly done. The, the 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 sci-fi element in this is that there is somebody called the man in the high castle that is providing mm-hmm. films which seem to show an alternative end to World War Two, to what's happened mm. in this universe. Where in yeah. that on the films it seems to show that the Allied forces won World War Two, Nazi, Germany right. was uh, all all but destroyed, Japan surrendered after uh, the two uh, nuclear not nuclear uh atomic bombs were dropped on them atomic bombs uh, yeah and so that is that's what seems to happen in the first season and then second mm-hmm. season builds on that the third season builds even more on it in that then now uh, it's explained that there's a way to cross from one universe to another I won't say too much mm. more, because there is a lot more going on. No. i
0: currently mm-hmm. watching the... Wasn't this based on uh, Philip K. Dick? Philip K. K. Dick, is that right? yes. Uh, yeah. Are you a fan of Dick? you not. Mark? Are like you being naughty? Yes. Are you being naughty, Mark? No, not at all. Not at all. Philip K. Dick. He's a, uh, a very good sci- sci-fi writer. Okay, right. I have not
1: read any Philip K. Dick novels or no.
0: stories. But you are a fan of Dick's, aren't you? You can't get enough of Dick's. I have Terence.
1: I am a fan of Terence Dick's, Uncle Terrence. Yeah. You know,
0: I'm blushing
1: right here, you fool. <laughs> yeah, no, I just can't believe you're making me goo red in the face. Uh,
0: I'm sorry. You I'm sorry. nasty
1: piece of work, you.
0: <laughs> right, I'm going to go back. Go on, yeah. So you were in mid flow, and I cut you off there by being very creepy.
1: <laughs> right, uh, and so I'm currently watching the third season, and that the final season uh-huh. has been greenlit, and I think it's been released next ah, year, okay. and that'll be the end of the mm. story. Uh, I'm also recommending something else called Sneaky Pete, uh, which is another okay. Amazon Prime show, uh, and mm. it's about a con artist. Who takes on the persona of his jailmate, um, uh, just so that he can get away from uh, a mafia mm-hmm. boss that's after him. So he goes to live with the family of this uh, chap that he spent all uh, for the last few years uh, in jail with. Mm. And now this jail, this friend of his from jail, has never met his family. That's why they don't know who he is.
0: Right. On okay.
1: Uh, so mm. he manages to persuade him. That he's that is their cousin, long lost cousin, and he starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hoping to be able to con them out of some money so he can get even further away from the gangster. But in the process, he starts falling in love with the whole family. He he, he likes the mother. He likes the father. Uh, he's uh, sort of, uh, he likes the cousin, uh, the sister mm-hmm. cousin that he's got. Like uh, he's looking after the niece that uh, is looking up at him because I think she sort of guessed that he's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just slowly, slowly builds. Second season, the gangster element sort of went away, but then somebody else found out, uh, somebody else came after this family. And of course, mm-hmm. he then stays. This third season, I'm about to start watching. I'm hoping he'll sort of keep up the same standard that the first two mm-hmm. years. Are. It sounds really it's, good. It's uh, Gianfranco, Gianfranco, I can't remember his surname now. Tola, no, it ain't him. It ain't the footballer. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, Carlo Espino. He's a he's a chap that played uh, Phoebe's uh, brother in uh, Friends.
0: Ah, uh, see, I'm. I think I'm the only person in the world who didn't really watch Friends. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. Okay. Oh, I prefer Coupling. I thought that was much better. I
1: never saw Coupling. By Stephen Moffat. No, I've never seen. It.
0: That's brilliant. I've got it. Right. I've got it. You. You're coming back on again. We're going to do coupling because that is such a good series. Got
1: it somewhere. I'm sure I've got it somewhere, but uh,
0: I yeah. will maybe.
1: Actually, is it on a uh, BBC
0: iPlayer? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not sure. It was a BBC yeah, production. Yeah, was BBC I'm show. I'm not sure it? if it's on iPlayer. Yeah, I have to yeah. look that up. If it's on BBC no, iPlayer, I find that much funnier than. Friends. I'll be
1: able to uh, have a good butchers at that.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, definitely worth a look. All yeah. right.
1: Okay. We'll have. I'll have a butchers. I'll have a look. Right. What do you yeah. recommend then, mate?
0: Well, mine, I've only got one this time round, but uh, yet again, it's another Amazon Prime. So if you don't have Prime, you you might as well have just turned off like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Um, it is um, Good Omens. I thought it was going to be, yeah. Which is, yeah, which is based on the book by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. My wife is a huge Terry Pratchett fan. I really like Neil Gaiman. So it's just, you know, the perfect combination. Yeah. The book came out in the 90s. Um, and... I seem to be seeing mixed things. I think majority of people I've seen commenting on it seem to really enjoy it, but I have seen one or two people saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's not for me." Now I don't have the quite such a big connection to the original book, right. so maybe I'm sort of coming into it a bit more fresh. But I'm halfway through now. There's six episodes in total. Uh, so I've made it through the first three, and they are fantastic. It's um, If you're trying to get a bit of a handle on it, there are definite elements of Douglas Adams in there, I would say, it's... if you like Douglas Adams. Um, and it's just so brilliantly written and performed as well. The cast is amazing. I mean, the two main leads are Michael Sheen and David Tennant, and they do a great job, I think. Have you watched any, no. Saki?
1: I've got that as I've Ugh. got that as a back burner. This is I've got a ah. lot of shows that I'm watching uh, that I've got to mm. finish off from the American TV series series. Uh, once they've all finished, mm. I'll start picking off the stuff that's on Netflix and Amazon Prime and a couple of other stuff. Right,
0: okay, so that's your homework then. So you're going to watch Good Omens and Coupling, and then you'll come back in a bit and we'll talk about that.
1: You know, this is very short notice again. <laughs> I mean, it's only last night that we did. Decided to do Stan and Olive.
0: Yeah, you'd never you look, have thought. You, you like to put people under pressure, <laughs> don't you? Well, you know, I uh, know. I just think they're both really, really good, and I think you'd enjoy them a lot.
1: Well, I've got, I've looked, uh, I've looked, I've got on the side of my t- uh, bed. Uh, there's a wad of t- uh, Teddy Pratchett novels, and uh, yeah, I picked these all up cheap many, ooh, many months ago, and I'm slowly going yeah. through, and uh, I'm not mm. sure. I don't think Good Almonds was one of them. But
0: I will. No.
1: I mean, is this set... Is Good Almas set in the uh, Discworld universe, or is it a separate sort of entity?
0: No, this is separate, as far as I'm aware, because I I never really got into Discworld. Um, I think Terry Pratchett was a really interesting writer, um, but maybe it's because my attention span is so terrible and I don't really get on with... um, written books i've tried audio books and i've tried one or two of his and it's not really gelled for me and uh, some of the tv adaptations in the oh, past the t- sky oh, oh, did a were terrible a couple of the Discworld ones and they i didn't really so that think much yeah of those.
1: they they miscast david jason in that he
0: shouldn't have been the wizard mm.
1: well, it was a rinse Wind the wizard and he shouldn't have been him mm-hmm. he should have been a, a much
0: younger sort of actor a bit more agile and a bit more mm. well on the plus side with good omens um obviously Unfortunately, Sir Terry Pratchett is no longer with us, but Neil Gaiman I think was quite heavily involved in the making of this, so um, I think that helps a great deal when you've got one of the original writers involved in bringing it to screen. Is it Sheldrake, isn't it? uh, I think so. Yeah, he's certainly one of the producers on it. So um, yeah, I'd certainly recommend that. It's a lot of fun. It's very funny. Um, It's it's another apocalypse. You were talking before about Man in the High Castle. It's another sort of apocalyptic thing where um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant are... Well, Michael Sheen is the angel Aziraphale and uh, David Tennant is a demon called Crowley. And uh, they've both been knocking around since the very beginning. Um, I mean, it zips about all over the place. You start in the Garden of Eden and then we're backwards and forwards through time. And um, they obviously are meant to act against each other, so Michael Sheen's character is meant to make people try and influence them to be good, David Tennant's character is trying to influence people to be bad. Um and they kinda get to this point where they realise that they're just cancelling each other out. So why don't they just stay at home and say they're, you know, uh doing their jobs and no one will ever know. Um and it all goes a bit pear shaped from there. <laughs> But it's really, really good. It's so funny um, and just really brilliantly acted. Well, and I would highly recommend it. I've seen it.
1: a still of David Tennant in Female Gob. Is that... Is
0: he... Mm, Maybe in a later episode. I don't think there's I've seen... A, I'm yeah, sure that's on
1: one of the... I've seen it on one of my Twitter feeds. And, uh, and I'm thinking, what's he oh, doing right. in, in that? I don't know if he was from Good Almonds what should have been. I think it was from Good Almonds. I'm sure it's from there. Mm. So you may, you haven't got to that one then?
0: Not yet. No, I think I would remember that. Because <laughs> one of the first things I saw Peter Capaldi in was... Uh, do you remember... Did you ever watch the Prime Suspect series with Helen Mirren? No. Well, if no, you go Tom back you and Don't you going to recommend those, them as
1: well. Please don't.
0: Well, they're very good, but, you know, I'm not going to force you to watch it, but if you get a chance, they're, they're really... They're probably a bit of their time now, because they were sort of 90s, so maybe they've perhaps not dated as well as some, but... Um, yeah, I think it's the third series um Peter Capaldi plays a drag queen
1: yeah does doesn't David yeah. Tennant play a female character uh something else as well? I've seen him in so- as some as a female character in a drag
0: log. Oh, I can't remember it's not something and we're that... gonna go
1: through the whole of uh, the of doctor
0: to see which one dragged up well, John Pertwee was. And Patrick Troughton, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Sir. In one of his yeah, early yeah. ones, he dresses up as a woman, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, They're all at
1: it. It's one of these things that, that is, it's like a of passage, in it? You've got to drag That
0: the, That latest Doctor, I've seen them wearing loads of women's clothes.
1: Oh, very funny. Well done, lad.
0: There he goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while
1: <laughs> getting there, but i got
0: it. Yeah, yeah, well done. Well I'll done.
1: Just now, I've just, I've, just hey, I've got Prime Suspect here
0: as well. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, monster. so you've got all this stuff and you haven't watched it. I ain't got time, mate. Unbelievable. We're too busy doing podcasts. That's only recently, mate. And I'm
1: going to tell you something else as well, just before you go. I'm so happy mm. that you got back into podcasting. And I know you, oh, you really? did say it was due to me. And I'm
0: just going to take all the credit, getting you back on to start right, it okay, discovery
1: yeah. when, you, when it came on to add. Well, yeah, there was um,
0: There was a little bit of that. I hadn't done it for a while. And um, uh, yeah, I it just, just felt really good. You know, I'm just
1: it. taking credit for all your brilliance that you've been doing for the last Oh. few episodes. Uh, yeah. I'm
0: gonna take all the credit, mate. So no worries. <laughs> so before you go, do you want to give another plug to your shows for anyone who doesn't know? No, <laughs> uh, yes. I can't imagine there's anyone who doesn't know you.
1: No, I seem to be uh, jumping on most people's podcasts these Because uh, 'Cause I've got nothing else to do, you see, apart from watch TV and do podcasts. You're omnipresent. Yes, yeah, like an omni rumour. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, uh we'll we'll plug away on Proctoro. Uh, which is the proc uh which is the podcast that I do with Mark, Craig and Bob. Uh we'll review a Doctor Who story every month. Uh, we play So what's a unique
0: selling point on prog we, to who Cause... we play music. We mm, do play we? well I don't. We? That's what... we No. we will play I've noticed you've avoided that. I, I, mean...
1: I have no I have given one track. And it was yeah. you know what track it was? You'll love it. I know no, you'll, you'll love it. You'll love it. You know, right. as you're an Evertonian, you'll love it.
0: Oh no, no, no! Actually, I didn't. I do remember that. I think I had to fast forward past that. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's 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 not talk about it. So yeah, you play prog tracks. Uh, well, well, not just prog, track. te- technically yeah, prog technical tracks. Technically, prog tracks. And then Craig slips on some pop. Um, Craig, I've got to say, Craig puts on some legendary choices. Well,
1: does I mean I'm I'm bopping to him half the time, and I'm, I just don't yeah. understand why the other yeah. two
0: don't like. It gets a lot of stick from the other yeah. two, but uh, no, he's. He's bang on it for me. He's he picks some really well. Good they tracks. all
1: pick some lovely tracks, but you know, some of the stuff that uh Mark and Craig, uh, Bob pick, you're thinking, okay, I prefer yeah. to be dancing to uh, Craig's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that's that's Proctor Who, and that's a multi pod, that's Proctoru. that's multi podcast. And the other one that I've been doing quite recently is uh Dr. Who, whose line is it anyway,
0: which mm. is like an improv, and that's an improv, improv comedy, yeah.
1: Uh, Podcast where we play, we'll 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 take characters from a particular Doctor Who story, and then we'll just act out silly voices, uh, p- personas, uh, mm. scenarios, just jokes all the way. It usually ends up with fart jokes and and poop jokes most of the way through anyway. Nice, really, really highbrow it, stuff it's then, Yeah, it's fantastic, really. You know, it's just at my level. <laughs> <A> nine. It <laughs> so it's, it's a. It's a very fun podcast. I mean, we record for about 25 minutes, but half the time uh, mm. we're, we're chatting to each other for about, well, most of us have been chatting to each other for about a good half an hour before and about half an hour afterwards. Yeah. And that, that also it's just like a social yeah, thing. That also gets put into the podcast. Miles North who runs oh, yeah. it, he'll just take snippets of the conversation, and bang it in there, and he'll take snippets of the conversation and put them into songs as well. Mm. And that that's nice. one of the... Better things that I've noticed, uh, and when I'm at work, I <laughs> will go, "Have you listened to this?" And I'll put on a song, where I'm sort of making comments all the way through, and, I think, and they're good. Is that you? Yeah, are you singing? I'm...
0: Does it look like I'm singing? Yeah, does it sound like you're? You I'm know... just
1: being quoted in this song.
0: You're doing it. You're doing a bit of hip hop. Yeah, you're dropping some rhymes. I'm doing a bit of rap. Yeah, I was going to make a joke then, but I thought, no, I'll. Uh... You
1: can if you want, Mark. You know you yeah, the I was
0: going to say the Silent Sea, but you know. Yeah well, yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, as no ever, worries,
1: Mark. Thank you for having me on again.
0: That's quite right. And we'll have you back to talk about all that stuff that I've told you you've got to watch. Yeah, yet. in
1: about a year and a half,
0: time so. Yeah, no problem. It's a day. Okay, I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> all right.
1: All right. Cheers. <laughs> Later.